This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You are listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. everybody, welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personal Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer, joined by Michael. Hello, everybody. What is what is up? Is this, uh, are we still on the drive to six? Is this going to be one of two wins that we need to get to a bowl game? We'll see. We'll see. Hopefully we get both games. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. One we, of two wins. We do get to six. That's right. Unfortunately, that is your best case scenario for regular season is six and six. Yep. At this point. That'll be as good as it gets. I feel like there's a, there's a movie called that, right? <sighs> it's it's a bad so. movie. It's like Diane Keaton and Jack Nicholson. Well, I don't know if it's bad. It's just, it's, yeah, it has, it's like inappropriate. Like, is it like a love love story <laughs> with like some 60 year olds? I've never seen it. I don't think I've ever seen it. It's um something to behold. <laughs> something to behold. <laughs> it's not something I would recommend. All right. Well, how's it going, man? You ready to you ready to talk some some football, some basketball, some all the things. A little bit of soccer, women's soccer still going on. Yeah, we're going to talk about football. We were joined uh remotely by Grant Tommy, um who used to do the Amadio podcast. He's doing some more um he told me some live streaming stuff on YouTube. Um, he didn't have the time to commit to a, a regular scheduled podcast, um, but he joined us. He's actually going to be coming in town this weekend, maybe grabbing lunch with him on Saturday, which would be pretty cool. Um, we'll talk about the women's soccer team and their, their advancement in the NCAA soccer tournament, the men's basketball team, which has a game this weekend. Finally. Another game. Um, it's been a drought. All kinds of good stuff. But if you if you do not want to miss hours goings on, if you want to get more of Spencer and Michael on the 23 Personnel Podcast between episodes, you can follow us on Twitter at 23 Personnel. So that's 23 Personnel. At Punts Suck. Two S's there in the middle. And at Michael underscore LBK. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm a little stuffy. Like I walked in his knees a couple times, and like this, the same, it's not as bad as it was last week, but the same thing kind of happened. This happened last week. I, I I think Spencer has developed an allergy to my cat suddenly. <laughs> after, I mean, we've we've been doing this nearly two years, almost now. two years. After almost two years, somehow, and, and you host the majority of the weeks. And yeah, Rocky just. I, I guess he's changed. He's changed uh, to try to impress you, and it has not gone well. His uh, yeah. His allergen yeah. profile has changed. <laughs> His dander makeup. 
Um, so yeah, so the, the women's soccer team, they are, they won last week, um, against Pepperdine at home, went to two overtimes and then into PKs, Texas tech won what the true freshman goalkeeper, Madison white saving the fifth and final PK attempt from Pepperdine to send them through. They are headed to Chapel Hill to play Michigan and they will play the winner of it's Colorado or North Carolina and North Carolina is the one seed in their bracket. Would make sense. Yeah. Yep. Um, the um, fireside chat, which we'll probably talk about a little bit later. Chris Beard had uh, coach stone on with him. They, and he gave a little preview about Michigan. He said it, it's actually kind of aligned well with their, their men's basketball team. And who's making the connection back to the team that um, Chris Beard and the team faced in the oh, tournament. Yeah. Yeah. He said they're, they're deliberate. They're big, but they can be finesse and fast is like a little bit of both. You have to be better at one or both of them to beat them. And it's going to be a, a challenging undertaking. Um, but he said that he was excited. Obviously you make it to the second round of the NCAA tournament. That's good things. So best of luck to the lady Raiders this weekend as they take on Michigan and work to advance through the NCAA bracket. Yep. That'll be Friday at two o'clock central. Uh, for those of you who are able to find it on TV or, f- um, it could be on, it could be on radio. Cause I think basketball does not play until Sunday. I'm not sure about the women's basketball schedule. So there's a chance it could be on men's basketball plays on Thursday too. Yeah. So the day before, um, but yeah, unless there's a women's basketball game during that time that could possibly be broadcast on the radio. Yeah. So good luck to the lady Raiders. Um, guns up from Lubbock as they travel to North Carolina. Yeah. Wreck them for sure. Um, I'm sure you are all aware or if this is the first time you're joining. Thanks for listening to the 23 personnel podcast. Do want to let you know that we are part proud members of the armchair media network and support for armchair comes from manscaped number one and men's blow the belt grooming manscaped offers precision engineer tools for your family jewels. That's right, Spencer. They have redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin safe technology. So this trimmer will not nick or snag. I guess that would mean manscaping accents or a thing of the past. That's true. And in case y'all didn't know, don't use the same trimmer on your face as you're using elsewhere. That's uh, that's just not that's just not uh, a good look. I, that's nasty. I wouldn't imagine. No. Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. So that seems awfully generous because usually if you get a promo code, you get one or the other. Oh, you get both. both, buddy. Always use the right tools for the job. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. 20% off with free shipping manscaped.com. If you use the promo code armchair. All right, Michael. Yes. Let's talk about some football. All right, then they go four up top. They throw the fade to Fasher. Caught. Touchdown. With time. Delivered. Hand off. 
Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Strike, got the big man, and touchdown, Red Raiders with a second to go. Let the scoring begin. So I was reminded with that Jakeem Grant highlight there from the TCU game a couple years ago, that he had himself a weekend. He had a 101-yard kickoff return for a touchdown this weekend. Oh, that's great. I, I don't know how I missed that. Just in the Slack chat, man. Where were you? Uh, not paying attention to the Slack chat. <laughs> um, he also had a long touchdown. There was something else he did this weekend. Um, and I, I don't have it pulled up, so I couldn't tell you exactly because I'm great at this but yeah he had a 101 yard kickoff return for a touchdown for the Dolphins good deal good deal the Finns need some uh, they need a little pick me up here and there sure do um, I was trying to figure out a, a good way to make that uh, pick me up segue into wrapping up the TCU game uh, yeah pick up the fumble off the turf whether yeah. it was Max Dugan Duggan's fumble on the first drive or McLean Mannix's or just need to pick me up after losing another close game at home. Um, Michael, do you have any additional thoughts from the game? Just a, just a little bit. There were some extracurricular uh, articles and commentary posted afterwards about how it's possible that there could be a faction of the team or not the team, a faction of the fan base that are almost essentially rooting for Wells to lose just because they want to be right or they want to no uh, think that they have uh, some sort of clairvoyance. But I, I, I see that sometimes, you know, you see that in on stake in the plains, you see the commenters can, can really get a little heated and, and uh, you can see some of that. But I think for the majority, the vast majority, everybody wants tech to win. 
they don't care if it's the guy they wanted hired or not. They want him to win. And another thing that I kept seeing get brought up was that, oh, well, you know, old tech teams would have folded after getting down 17 to nothing or 20, 24 to three or. Which I believe is probably true. That I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm probably in that camp a lot more, especially I'm, I'm pretty sure I even said that there's post game reaction. I was like, yeah, this, this had this happened last year. I, I would imagine, of course, because you, you can't play this game under different circumstances, but I think we've seen a team get down three scores and kind of pack it in. Um, and, but and, and not last past. year, though. Last year is not a good example. Well, maybe not, but I, more more so like the 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 essence of a Kingsbury coach team kind of in those the middle of his tenure there that like they just – they were lacking a mental toughness to, to battle back from, from being down. Um, anyways, m- my point is I, I think I, I made that point myself saying I, I would imagine a Kingsbury coach team that got down 17 or 21 points in the first quarter would have packed it in. There's, there's, but I, there's some no evidence to that, especially for the first five seasons. But I think last season we saw this team, this I mean, a lot of the same group of guys fight back against West Virginia, down twenty-eight to seven after the end of the first quarter. They came within a, you know, a onside kick attempt. I think they got within eight. Ended up losing forty-two thirty-four with the backup quarterback, with Duffy. Well, it was with the same quarterback. Well, yeah, but I mean, it was a mid-game change, suddenly thrust in, not getting first-team reps all game, all all game. Uh, they they stuck with OU, kind of had the same scenario. They they kept fighting on that, and then the other big one that I think a lot of us forget about is they Tech was down twenty seven to ten going into the fourth quarter versus UT and scored twenty four points in the fourth quarter and got within a touchdown. So there's there's some historical, at least to last season, that this same group of guys has shown this before. We should be glad that they're still able to do it. Yeah. But it's um I, I don't want to say that it's it's solely because of Wells. Which is which is fine. I think Wells is doing a he's doing a fine job. I'm not I'm not knocking the guy. But it was uh I just kinda I, I saw that thrown around quite a bit as if no, you're right, yeah. As if last year none of that ever happened, and it did. It happened at least three times and you know, two times considerably, but you know, Tech still lost all three of those games. <laughs> so I don't know if those are great, uh, <laughs> great ways to turn it either. But those are, that's really all I had on TCU to kind of add just to mainly just the, the commentary and what's been going on after the game. But Tech is now four and six, and we'll see what goes from here. And, and we'll see who's playing this week. Speaking of who's playing, yeah, there were some updates from Coach Wells in his Monday press conference. Jordan Brooks, who left during the first quarter of the game this weekend, um, is considered day-to-day with that same upper body injury. We presume it's a shoulder. Ten games into the season, I think most people um, are are dealing with some kind of injury, but yeah, he's missed some time. Um, Still leading the team uh, in tackles with 102. That, That number surprised me, even missing most of the game against TCU. He's missed some other time so far this season. Um, what's up to me was when I was doing these little bit of 
research on the stats between uh, Texas Tech and Kansas State. Kansas State leading tackler, I think, is like his tackle numbers are in the 40s. Hmm. They have a lot more. Well, one, they have fewer plays to defended, which makes sense for Kansas State because they slow the game down. Um, but even then, like a lot of their their guys, their their leading tacklers are all in like the the 30s and 40s, where you've got Jordan Brooks at 100, Rico Jeffers is in like in the 60s, and then I think Doug Coleman's in the 50s. Like there's there's a pretty big gap between one and two. Um, Anyways, Jordan Brooks may or may not be participating this weekend. Um, I have heard some people speculate that if he doesn't play this weekend, he may not play against Texas. Um, He's likely on the way out of the program to pursue playing professionally. Yeah. Um, So might have to have might have to consider that to to make sure you're healthy going into the combine and everything. And I, I hate to say it, but like if, if you were sitting at four and seven on Sunday and I'm Jordan Brooks, not, not that I'm, I'm like, I'm telling him to not play, but like for him, there's a whole lot more in future potential, all that kind of stuff for him to sit out against Texas than it would be in making a point to his team or whatever and say, I want to play one more time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, he should be able to do whichever one he wants to do. But I'm, I'm with you. If that's a, if that's an option for him to to sit out, and he has some good intel, maybe on how high he could get on in the draft, which I think is, at, you know, definitely first round. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're still kind of figuring out where in the first round. But sure, I mean, he's he should be able to make that decision and. I think his teammates will back him up for it, and uh, he shouldn't feel like he has to go out there in Austin and possibly risk getting hurt. But he may want to do that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, Dalton Rigdon is in the concussion protocol. Um, He is also considered day-to-day. I I guess I didn't consider this, but Wells confirmed that Rigdon did not break his jaw on that play. I was like, oh, I didn't even think about that. I didn't either. I, I, I felt the same way when Wells made, he clarified that. I thought, well, why did that need to be? Cla- oh, oh yeah, maybe it did. <laughs> I mean, he, he took a, a vicious hit. Yeah, it was really, um, it was a really rough one to watch on the, on the replay. And, and still, like, I, I remember when it happened in the press box, we were all like, that's targeting. Oh, sure. And like, we were all like. There's no flag. Are you serious? I think I think we all said that's targeting at least once or twice before the flag came out. <laughs> He's like, that's tar- that's definitely targeting. That's targeting. Oh, there's a flag. The from, guys from not the guy that was like right in front of the play. From no. the, he was walking like, back from the uh, from the field goal posts, basically. Yeah. Okay, I guess I'll throw my flag. Um, and the other other player update uh, would be TJ Vasher. He missed last week's game with the same uh, suspension. And I, I've heard it termed as an indefinite suspension, which right. concerns me. Um, and that, again, so this is kind of speculation or whatever. They're, they're kind of putting the, the pieces together in this puzzle that um, players on this track with Wells have a very difficult time making it back with the team. That seems to be the case. So Vasher may or may not. I mean, it, it 
there, there are people that believe that we've seen the last of TJ Vasher at Texas tech, man. I don't, I don't think I realized that I still don't really have any idea what and team rules were broken or whatever it is. That's he, he could go out there on, on Saturday and play. Sure. Again, or, or he can come back next season and play. I just repeating that I've heard some people that would be considered to know things have said, it's very possible that he's no longer, or he's not going to be with the team again. That's been a frustrating aspect of Wells tenure here so far is just this type of stuff that I understand that you can't, you can't air everything out because there's stuff that just needs to belong within the program. But it, yeah, (laughs) it's just frustrating to have, to not have any idea why or when or if, or, or what for sure. All right. Let's talk about the big 12 week 12 from everybody else in the conference. Kansas went on the road to number 22, Oklahoma state and fell 31 to 13. Again, it looks like Kansas has returned to earth. I (laughs) I still shake my head. Like what, how, what happened? Why did you lose to Kansas? Um, they are, I think Oklahoma state was up 31 to nothing at one point. They're one in six in in the, their conference record is one in six. Oh yeah. That's that's mathematically correct. Cause I know what the one is. Yes. Uh, next game, West Virginia somehow got the best of Kansas state at home. 24 to 20. You mean they, they beat West, sorry, West Virginia beat Kansas state in Manhattan. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Kansas state was at home. I, Which is really I don't know what I meant. Yes. It was in Manhattan. Uh, that game, let's, I, I kind of just went through it just real quick. I know that we've got Grant coming on to talk about the, the, the team a little bit more in depth, but that game, you know, Kansas state scored on the opening drive of the second half to go up 20 to 14. Then they never scored again. I mean, the opening drive marched down the field, scored a touchdown. And that was that, uh, West Virginia scored 10 in the fourth quarter. Kansas State was driving, and Thompson threw an interception on about West Virginia's 30-yard line with less than a minute left, less than half a minute. That's rough. Yeah, rough rough way to lose. But Because if you look at the transitive property, like Texas Tech kind of had their way with the West Virginia defense. Sure. And Kansas State was not able to. Now, what, what happened, I think, West Virginia's strength of their defense is to control – the line and to to not allow teams to get on a, on a any momentum running the ball and i think kansas state once they're committed to running the ball and that's what um grant will talk about in a little bit well and and this was with a jared dakey led west virginia team his yeah. first start as a mountaineer that i'm aware of yeah he went 20 for 30 for 230 yards three touchdowns no interceptions yeah um Texas was on the road. Number 19, Texas on the road in Ames, Iowa falls to Iowa state 20 to 23. Um, Oklahoma, the, the, I guess the big game of the weekend, Oklahoma went, goes down to Waco. This was a strange game. I, I watched a lot of it. I watched some like extended highlight videos of it to kind of get a feel for it. Baylor got up big early 28 to three, 28 to three in the second quarter is like, what's happening. And yeah. 
I, I turned it on, saw some Jalen Hurts uh, turnovers. It just seemed very uncharacteristic. But then Oklahoma was able to slow down Baylor enough in the second half, and they just kept chipping away. They tied it, um, and then there towards the end, kicked a go-ahead field goal, um, and then forced a turnover on Baylor's last drive, much like you were saying West Virginia did to Kansas State. Yep. Um, kind of ironically and karmically pleasing to see that on the play that Brewer threw the interception, the ball was snapped before he was ready. <laughs> so the center, <laughs> it all comes down to the snap. It came back to the snap. Ah, there you are. So big 12 standings after 12 weeks, you s- Baylor's listed first. Um, I'm not sure how, but Baylor, Oklahoma, Oklahoma state, Strange that you have a win over Oklahoma State. Very nearly had a win over Baylor. Iowa State, Texas, Kansas State, TCU, Texas Tech, West Virginia, Kansas. Right. So Texas Tech is in firmly in eighth place as they have the tiebreaker over West Virginia, both at two and five in the Big 12. And then this week, around the Big 12, as far as the other games Kansas will be at Iowa State. Snooze. 11 a.m. Uh, on Fox, on FSN, just one of the Foxes, I guess. And then uh, Oklahoma State will be at West Virginia at 11 a.m. ESPN2. Could be entertaining. Yeah, that could. Uh, Texas will be at Baylor at 2.30. Also could be entertaining. FS1, yes, that's always, well, not always, but that's been a pretty good game the last few years. Of course, Tech plays hosts Kansas State at 6 on FS1, and then OU will host TCU at 7 on Fox. Probably not as entertaining. Like, that one's probably low on the entertainment scale for the weekend, I would say, unless Dugan Duggan's able to take his, his act on the road and continue what he did in Lubbock and Norman. But comparing... Current day Lubbock to current day Norman is, as you said earlier, apples to baseball comparison. <laughs> it's not. It's yeah. It's not quite the same. Um. Yeah. I'm, I mean, besides all of our our or outside of our obligations this weekend for pregame stuff, um, a lot of entertaining football to be to be had, even just within the Big Twelve Conference. Kind of looking forward to check that out. But let's turn our attention and. Talk about the Kansas State Wildcats. Um, we did have Grant Tommy join us. I, I did an interview with him, and we'll get to that in a second, and then we'll come back and then do our wrap-up of the Kansas State preview, get to our predictions, and then move on to basketball. Your questions and what we learned. All right, buddy, we are joined tonight by Grant Tommy, former podcaster, He's done the Kansas State preview with us before. I know Seth has done the Texas Tech preview for him. Grant, I want to appreciate your time tonight. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about some Kansas State football. I was a little sad to hear that you're not a Patrick Mahomes uh, Kansas City Chiefs fan, though. Yeah, that's kind of a long story. I, I think it, it all um, spawned off of I grew up in the Wichita area and at a certain age, like when I got old enough to realize what sports were and I realized everything Kansas City was on the Missouri side, I just was like, well, I don't have to have an allegiance to that team. And <laughs> uh, it was the Green Bay Packers was the first team I 
went on after the 94 playoff. The Chiefs had 93 and 94. They lost in the playoffs. And like that's like right that that impressionable age where I moved on and uh, went Green Bay Packers. Then I got throttled for being a Fairweather fan. And then I said, fine, I'm going to pick a crappy franchise and roll with it. So you should be happy to know I'm an Arizona Cardinals fan. So Cliff Kingsbury. I'm ooh, I'm so sorry about the <laughs> <laughs> kind of that, that transition and all that's going on out there in, in the desert. Um, yeah, I, I was a, a Green Bay Packers fan myself a little while, uh, and then I was a fan of the of the Broncos. Um, had some hometown allegiances to the, the Cowboys, but yeah, I'm I've I followed Brett Favre and. Um, Gosh, now I'm blanking on some of the guys. I'm I'm thinking more of the Broncos now, like with Shannon Sharp and Ed McCaffrey and Jake Plummer, another Cardinals connection. <laughs> I think that was after Broncos. I, I stopped paying attention. Yeah. It was John Elway and Terrell Davis and Tim Tebow, even Ed Smith. But, <laughs> um, but obviously, you know as much as I do, probably um, that's why I just I've fallen in love with the college game much more, and I pay much more attention to the college game anyway. So. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about the college game. Uh, we've got a game this weekend between Kansas State and Texas Tech. Uh, Kansas State Wildcats are coming down to Lubbock. Uh, coming into the game, they are, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this wrong, six and four? Correct, yep. So okay. Um, and doing my, my brief little bit of research so we can have a conversation here, I was just really surprised at how balanced the the offense is in terms of yardage. Uh, not less, not, not necessarily in in terms of attempts uh, between rushing and passing, but going into game eleven on the season, Kansas State has thrown for nineteen hundred twenty five yards. They've rushed for nineteen hundred eleven yards. Um, that's a really small difference for being ten games in the season, whereas Texas Tech has thirty one hundred passing yards and about sixteen hundred rushing yards. So, can you tell us a little bit about how the transition has has gone from Bill Snyder? To, to climb in and how the offense is is performing what's what's success look like for the wildcats and what are they trying to do when they have the ball well the um the transition by and large has gone fairly well i think i don't, I don't know that you could have asked for much much better i mean i think the players um you know bill snyder was such a old school disciplinarian like uh military like that i was actually listening to a former uh, K-State football player who joined the military after football. This is a guy from like the 90s. He played the football in the 90s. And so these other former players who are running the podcast asked, I've always wanted to know which one's more, which one's tougher, Bill Snyder practices or the military? And the guy literally said, no, actually practice was harder since than some <laughs> of the stuff. So nice. that kind of gives you an idea of what it was like. So they have a total players coach and Chris Kleiman. I mean, it's a breath of fresh air. And I think it's just... Um, it's been kind of a new a shot in the arm for a lot of these players. And so in terms of what the offense wants to do or if a successful day is going to happen offensively, it's going to be, uh, you know, what Chris Kleiman brought with him from the North Dakota state realm was the, um, it's, it's a very pro style. I mean, two tight and set all the time or quite often. Uh, I want to establish their run game most often. And so if, if K-State's going to have the ultimate success, it's going to have to have uh, a successful run game. The last two outings, the Texas game and 
most recently West Virginia. Um, Texas, uh, what's his name? Todd Orlando was the one who probably took it to the next level. For whatever reason, K-State struggled with a three-man defense front, and Todd Orlando started dialing up some run blitzes, and that's really given the Wildcats fits. And West Virginia basically took that blueprint and executed it fairly well last Saturday. Well, when, when you talk about having a, a three-man front and, and kind of blitzing a lot, that kind of sounds a lot like what Keith Patterson does, the defensive coordinator for Texas Tech. Um, if you're not familiar yet, the the front is is basically it's it's hybrid enough where you can run with what would look like four down and two linebackers, or four down and three linebackers, or three three. Like it's there is a hybrid defensive end linebacker and then a hybrid linebacker safety. But he's able to kind of flex the defense, and he's mainly run. I, I I can't remember the last time he's actually put four down linemen into the game. Um, it's very rare that he does that. Um, and then you know we've got Jordan Brooks, the um, All Big Twelve leading tackler at, at middle linebacker. He's questionable for the game with that quote upper body injury because Matt Wells is not too loose with the. Injury news or updates, but um, he's he's been all over the field. He's leading the team um, in tackles, obviously, with 102 so far. Um, the other next guy up is is his the linebacker to his right, Rico Jeffers. Only has 61. If, if that just goes to tell you how many tackles and stops that Jordan Brooks is making, he's got almost twice as many as the next guy behind him. Um, when, when you talk about Kansas State wanting to run the ball and establish their running game, you know you look at at, at the running backs or, or those that are carrying the ball. James Gilbert looks to get the majority of the carries, um, 113 so far in the year with about 600 yards, uh, five and a half yards a carry, six touchdowns. Skylar Thompson, the quarterback, um, has n- nearly 90 carries um, and 10 touchdowns. Can you can you talk a little bit and, and tell us how how the run game is going to work? Uh, is it really going to be those two guys that you need to look out for? Or you know, or Jordan Brown, Harry Trotter, uh, are, are those guys going to factor in at all, or, or how, how do how do they factor into the run game as well? Yeah, so Chris Kleiman likes to like to use all three if he can. Um, I think it was the Oklahoma game that both uh, Brown and Gilbert got dinged up. But if K State's going to have a successful day running, it's going to be obviously on the shoulders of James Gilbert. But um, yeah, so like the Kansas game. So we're talking. Let's see, that's been three games to go now. Uh, Harry Trotter was kind of the feature back there, and that was just the byproduct of trying to get Brown and Gilbert healed up. But, um, yeah, they like to, I would say, those are your top three, Brown, Gilbert, and Trotter. And uh, they've 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 um, flexed a little bit of the, I call it the diamond formation that, you know, like Mike Yersich at uh, Oklahoma State used to like to run all the time, uh, where you have all three in the backfield at some times. And, mm-hmm. uh Trotter is probably your best blocking running back, but they do employ um, a fullback at times. So there's a lot of power running game. I would say I wouldn't be surprised if um, you see, like, I don't know why, but Trotter was the first one you saw. I don't, I think he's, he deserves to be in the top three, but I definitely think he's third best running back. Um, but uh, for whatever reason, he, I think it's just cause he's healthiest. You see the most of him. Um, and then Skyler's gotten a lot more comfortable as the season's gone on. Um, I think 
I think as we sort of talked about the coaching transition where you have polar opposites in ideology in terms of players coach versus disciplinarian Bill Snyder, there was also kind of polar opposite approach. Um, I think Skyler just preferred not to be ran as much as Bill Snyder was running his quarterbacks late in his tenure. And I think he voiced that opinion very adamantly to the new coaching staff. So probably to the first five, six games of the season, Skyler really didn't run. It was that it was that TCU game when they finally got this one look that they kept seeing the TCU defense uh, give on film that Skyler had like a 60-some yard run. And ever since then, it's they've introduced it more and more, and it, it's become more and part of the game plan. Um, I, and I think done real well, aside from I think this last game. Uh, it was just a weird... The offensive play calling just seemed kind of round peg, uh, square hole or square square peg round hole right. <laughs> operation. But yeah, that I would that's how I'd kind of sum up what I've seen out of the run, rushing uh, attack so far. And then when they're when when the Wildcats are not looking to run the ball, uh, you've got three receivers that have pretty similar numbers with Dalton Schoen leading the way with only thirty two catches but five hundred and forty yards, um, and four touchdowns, and Malik Knowles and, and Philip Brooks. Is this is this really one of those those offenses where they like to run to set the pass and the, the, the kind of play into that old style and, and cliche that they're going to make everybody kind of suck up to, to block uh, not to block but to, to to respect the run and then try to hit them in, in the gaps and over the top or how does how does Skylar Thompson find Schoen and Knowles and Brooks uh, across the field? So I would say. Uh, Knowles has been battling a knee injury for a lot of the year, and oh, I can't remember when he came back first, but uh, he's been kind of on limited snap counts, and uh, so he probably, if he was healthy all year, would probably be the number one receiver. I mean, he has the physical tools. I mean, a little more speed, a little more length than Shone. Shone's a very good, uh, dependable target, um, and so that's why his numbers are so so high in the absence. Um but they do, they, I mean, they run a lot of people in there too as well. But yeah, you, you described it pretty well that they're old school in that they want the run to set up the pass most definitely. And it's so much so that when there have been a couple of games where the first play of the game was a pass, I mean, Saturday was, and it was a one play, <laughs> one play drive. Um, but, you know, when it doesn't fail, you're always like, why would you start a game that way? when that's not what you're, you know, you got to prove that the running game doesn't work first <laughs> before you do that. So yeah, they, they very much do want it to work the, uh, you know, 1970s college football way. <laughs> For sure. Um, so if you were to say, um, that if this player is having a good day and you, you can define that however you want, that Texas tech is likely going to be in trouble, um, is that going to be a, a Skylar Thompson? Is he just going to be the, the guy that you have to keep your eye on as, as you know, the, obviously the quarterback um, and the, the general offense, or, or is it going to be, you know, if, if James Gilbert is, is, is eating up a bunch of yards, is it just going to be real, real hard to, to, to keep the Wildcats from converting? What one thing would you point to and say, if we're doing this, I feel pretty confident about Kansas State's chances in Lubbock? Yeah, I think it's it's James Gilbert. If he's having a successful day on the ground, um, or I mean, you could almost take any of the three running backs. Um, you know, I mean, if Harry Charter's having a good day, uh, that's <laughs> going to be a little bit of a surprise. It's not that he's he's not bad by any stretch of imagination, but I think 
he benefits from uh, being a little bit different style than than Brown and Gilbert. So I, I really think it's it's yeah, if it's one player, it's James Gilbert. But if you want to like erode that a little bit or make it a little safer play, it's 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 the running back as a whole because there's also a fourth and fifth. Uh, running backs that I've, I've seen some um, seen some time too there's uh, Morgan or Tyler Burns Morgan was his older brother Tyler Burns uh, and then uh, Joe Irvin who's who's seen some time and um, yeah if it's if K-State's getting it done on the ground then Skyler's good day probably doesn't look like many more than maybe 18 to 22 pass attempts and he can still be considered to have a good day in that that scenario so if his pass attempts are creeping up towards upper 20s to low 30s, is that kind of indicative that things aren't going well? Well, yeah. I mean, as a, I mean, as a, just use the recency syndrome, which I usually hate to do. I usually like to look at the broader sample size. But to your point, uh, against West Virginia, Skyler, I think, had 39 pass attempts and set a personal best 299 yards passing and um we lose to a team who only had three wins uh in in whatever that was 10 games so mm-hmm. or three and three and nine i guess and four and ten now so okay so does does coming to lubbock is that as as concerning as it was previously for for other big 12 teams it seems like um Texas Tech, especially on the student side, has had some attendance issues, and um, it, internally, it's felt that playing in Lubbock has not really been as intimidating as it maybe it once was. Um, pe- people here are a little more excited about about a night game because I think we've had majority of our home games this year have been at eleven. Um, is is there is there anything to coming to, to Lubbock to play? Is, is that still an intimidating thing, or, or not not so much anymore? Um, I, I mean, short answer, I, I don't think it's an intimidating thing. Um, but I, I mean, I do know obviously the whole night game in Lubbock thing. I, I think that's, that's the one thing you definitely want to avoid. I mean, I think if you start, you look at a, a two thirty or 11 o'clock kick as a better scenario than a night game. Um, but I think for, I think I speak for wildcat fans when I say, you know, I mean the dark ages were obviously Mike Leach had Bill Snyder's number and then Ron Prince, there was like that, there was that era of time from like 2004 to probably 2010 that it was just like, you just, we could not win down there. And I think, you know, I just point to there's seniors on this team that have gone down to Lubbock and won um, that I think that it's, I don't know, I would put it sort of right in the middle. I mean, I don't think it's uh, intimidating. It's not the word I'd use, but definitely a tough challenge. I mean, any road game in this conference is a tough challenge, um, but it's definitely certainly no cakewalk either. With with Texas Tech needing to win against both Kansas State and Texas to to get to bowl eligibility, is, is that something that you would consider um, as as something to be concerned with? Uh, being that Kansas State already has the, the six games, I, don't, I mean, I don't. They're not they're not competing for a conference championship at this point in the season, or are they a little more content with where they're at or how would you, how would you say that the mindset is of the team going into this, these last couple of games um, at six and four? It, it kind of feels that way that the, the team, you know, once they got bowl eligible, you know, that Oklahoma win was so huge. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, sent shockwaves across the conference. 
Um, and then, you know, they, they go on the road and beat, beat Kansas like they should. So there's a ton of emotional, um, uh, leverage that she could have prior to that game. And then you lose a tough one at Texas and it just feels like you let that game beat you twice. Uh, there were some post game comments by, uh, some of the seniors kind of questioning whether the team was not taking the West Virginia week, uh, preparation serious enough. And I mean, I don't know if that's, uh, you know, lip service or if there's, there's something actually to that. You, I guess you have to take them at their, at their word at that point. Um, so, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see who, who takes this week more seriously. I mean, I think both teams in some sense of the word have their backs against up backs up against the wall. Um, and so it's going to, who can dig the deepest, I think on Saturday. So if, if you look at some of the, the, the statistical analysis, whatever you want to call them, um, Kansas State is is ranked uh, a, a good deal ahead of Texas Tech in most categories. Um, and not that the, the betting lines are indicative of, of team talent or whatever, but one, I, I, th- I think there are two surprises for Texas Tech fans with this week. One, getting the, the 6 o'clock tip, or not the tip, sorry. I've already got basketball in my mind. The 6 o'clock <laughs> kick, and then coming out as an early favorite. I mean, right now it's, it's anywhere between one to three points, which as a home team is bare. It's, it's almost not even a pick them. You're, you would be not favored on, on like on a neutral site. Um, how do you see this game going out? And, and I want to get your, your prediction for the game. Oh, geez. So, so I mean, the town, the team's been so up and down. I mean, there's the peaks and the valleys have been, um, <laughs> every bit as enjoyable as frustrating. And I, the, I think the one of the, if I had to pick one unit that's mirrored that to a T it's been the offensive line. And so, um, I mean, it's, it's funny. There was kind of this, you know, they won three straight games to start the year. They lost two in a row. Then they rattled off three straight wins, and now they lost two. So does that mean they win three straight again? I don't know. But, um, I mean, Chris Kleiman's shown he can take his team on the road. You know, I would say the environment at Mississippi State's probably more comparable to Texas Tech than Kansas, where, you know, maybe 30% of the crowd was K-Staters. <laughs> so... Um, they've got a shot, but, uh, I I mean, I I think I feel like, I think I feel like Vegas does as, as soon as Vegas starts to favor the cats, the cats do what they did on Saturday. And as soon as they start to doubt the cats, they do what they did against Oklahoma. So, um, I don't blame Vegas for doing what they do because I can't sit here with any certainty of confidence and say, we should be able to just go down there and take care of business. I think there's also something to be said about I mean, it's two first-year head coaches, and, and both of them are trying to establish who's who's better than the other one in year one. So um, it, it feels like a pick to me. So do you have a, a score prediction? or? Man, I don't usually like doing those. <laughs> uh, I never have, but I'm... Well, and, so, so you don't have to give us a score, but what do you think the result of the game would be? Well, I usually, I should have done this before the podcast, but I usually like to, just out of curiosity, always um, try to do an average of points for and points against, you know, and, and mesh them with the other team's opposite thing. And it looks like Tech and K-State both are 
side by side with Tech's 31 and a half points per game and K-State's 31.1 points per game. So that kind of speaks to the uh, speaks to the pick'em. And then let's see, defensively, it looks like Tech gives up 28.5 points per game and K-State only 21.4. So um, obviously that K-State's composite looks like that probably lowers it. I could see K-State winning by six, I think. And yeah, I don't see either team probably scoring much past like that 31. That seems, feels about right. You know, if you look at the the within a field goal line right now and the the over under at 55, it would I mean, I I would probably go like a 27-21 type of game or, you know, 28-21 or 27-20, I don't know. Somewhere in that that's 4 to 7 points. Um and I'm I I just don't get a good feel for how this game is going to go. Um recent history against Kansas State has not been very good to Texas Tech. Um Last year we had Jet Duffy on one leg. Um, we were able to beat Kansas State once with Patrick Mahomes, but we also had DeAndre Washington, who was just a superb running back. Um, yeah, I, I just I don't have a really good feel for it. I, I do think it would come down to which team is is more ready for this game. Uh, you know, you said who's going di- to dig in the deepest here? Um, is it going to be Kansas State, who's Looking to go on possibly another three-game win streak is a Texas Tech who needs to win out to get to a bowl game. Yeah, it'll be re- really interesting to see how the game plays out. Uh, interesting to see Texas Tech um, at home at night this season. So, Grant, I want to appreciate, thank you for your time tonight. Uh, where can people find you if they want to follow you or any K-State material you may have? Well, if you are already part of the 24-7 Sports Network, you can find me lurking around those boards under the screen name GTCat. But more universally, I would say follow me on Twitter at GTCat underscore Emadio. That's E-M-A-W-D-I-O. And uh, yeah, you can uh, follow me for, for some bad sports takes and snarky comments during games. So. And then you, you did say you're coming into town to, to watch the game. So be safe in your travels. Enjoy your time here in Lubbock. Don't let the students or the, the random bad fan spoil your experience this weekend. Um, hope you travel safely and you have a good time this weekend. Well, thank you so much for having me on, Spencer. Yes, sir. Appreciate your time. Uh, once again, that was Grant Tommy uh, joining us for the Kansas State Preview Podcast. All right. Once again, we want to thank Grant for joining us. Looking forward to catching up with him this weekend. Have some restaurant recommendations and possibly checking out some local Tex-Mex joints or barbecue. So, yeah, we'll see how it goes. That sounds like a pretty good deal. I I wanted to point out, I, um, I didn't know a whole lot about Kansas State, but I... You know, it they, seems like their running back game is going to be similar to what Tech has been able to employ with the three you know three uh running backs back there with brown gilbert and trotter of course tech's down a man right now and they've (laughs) the other two guys are kind of dinged up but the thing that i thought was interesting that i actually kind of want to see just as a fan of football is that kansas state will employ a fullback at times yeah i I just want to see it and two tight ends yeah regardless (laughs) of (laughs) that they will be trying to to score against my beloved Red Raiders. It's just going to be, man. Okay, they they got a fullback out there. Let's, all right. Let's let's go back. Let's do it. Uh, anyway, thanks a lot to Grant for for coming on. Really appreciate it. 
Uh, the game this week, Tech, last I checked, is favored at minus two and a half. Still kind of surprises me. Kind of surprises me too. Uh, I Maybe that loss to West Virginia held more weight than it should to the guys at, in Vegas. I mean, I know you get an automatic three-point favorite when you're at home, basically. So it's it's essentially a pick 'em, I guess, in the Vegas world. And the over under is fifty five and a half, which is very close to what it was last week. I think fifty six and a half. So they're predicting pretty low scoring, and they were right on it. I mean, I, what was it? Thirty three, thirty one, so sixty four, sixty four. So they were pretty close. With that said, Spencer, would you like to give your score prediction first, or do you want me to go first? <laughs> you want to make, make me look bad? Yeah, you go no, first this time. Um, I guess I'll start with the statistical models. and I, I, We talked about this with Grant. They all seem to favor Kansas State. Um, their strength um, on offense does kind of align with the stronger part of your defense. They're not very, um, not very deep in terms of skill for, for passing the ball. However, we've shown that not great quarterbacks playing against the Texas Tech defense will leave with... Oh, are they a dark horse for the Heisman? <laughs> you cannot underestimate anyone. Anyone. So Skylar Thompson may leave Lubbock with some added confidence and, and momentum towards throwing his hat in the ring for, for Heisman. Who sure. knows? Sure. Uh, I, I don't think it would be through the year. I think it would be more on the ground. Grant did say that he's getting a lot more involved in the running game um, than he was earlier in the season. I do think it'll be a lower scoring game um, just because of the pace of play that we see Kansas State play with. Um, and I think their defense has always been pretty good at slowing you down. They, they force you to be as efficient as possible because of the reduced number of possessions. So having, all, all, having said all that, over under 55 and a half, I'm taking the under. I think it'll be a close game, but I think Kansas State can pull this out. Um within a score, but I think it'll be something like 27, 24 wildcats. Ah, okay. Well, you know, in that case, I'm going to be the good guy and come in and no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I, this game has made me nervous all year. It made me nervous preseason. It, it made me nervous really early in the season when they got off on that, that real hard start when they went, yeah. just when they started the season three, no. Yep. And, and uh, then a couple weeks later when they beat Oklahoma, sorry well, to keep interrupting. You. No, you're fine. And that's, that's where I'm headed is Kansas state went to Starkville and beat Mississippi state 31, 24 and looked good doing it. And that's, that's kind of the game I expect to see just slightly more high scoring. Unfortunately, I do think Kansas state will, will win this one. I've got them, picked 35 28 a little hot you know a little bit more high scoring than the you know the Vegas guys think it'll end up being because you know tech can score the ball um and I am just kind of worried about if Thompson does get kind of in a rhythm on running uh, that could be uh, problematic against this defense so that's where I'm at right now you know don't like it I'm not I'm not out here going to thump my chest if if Kansas State wins by a touchdown and I'm not going to be real proud about it. But that's just kind of where I'm at right now with uh, what I've seen so far from them and from Kansas State. I, I can't believe how well Kansas State played against OU. They just – they demolished them. 
uh, aside from the that crazy onside kick, I mean, they put 48 points on OU. Mm-hmm. Tech put 16. I know it was in Norman, but and I know all the other stuff that went with it too. You know, this was Duffy's first game, and he didn't even get to start. So anyway, uh, Kansas State can't just be. You can't just assume that uh, you're going to be able to slow them down. Yeah, but just because they're not "quote unquote" known as an offensive team, I mean, they've scored in the 40s, 30s. They put 52 on Bowling Green. <laughs> I know that that's still Bowling Green, but that's still 52 points. Yeah. Um, if you look at the FPI percentages, uh, the past three weeks, your percentage, your chances of beating Kansas State have grown slightly and steadily. From 38% uh, two weeks ago to 42% last week, before last week, and then forty, almost 47% this week. So again, back to that pick them. I mean, if it's a, a 53-47 split, I mean, it's, it's going to be a close game. Um, and then Texas is still kind of hanging in there, low 20s. Um, it'll probably be a close game, uh, entertaining for sure. Um, night game. We haven't mentioned that yet. It'll be six o'clock kickoff. We, Michael and I haven't mentioned that. It's officially a blackout, which is what Matt Wells had said before. Pretty much any night game is going to, they're going to wear all black, but which would be good to see. Uh, it, this is the first night game at home this week, this, this year. No, UTEP. UTEP was a, was a night game, but they didn't wear all black. I thought they did. Hold on. Research real quick. Okay. Um, well, you do some research. I can plug countdown to kickoff this weekend. Oh, you definitely should. Uh, Spencer and I for, well, at least for me, this will be my last time on countdown to kickoff this year as I will be in Florida next week for Thanksgiving visiting in-laws, but countdown to kickoff hosted by Rob bro on talk 1340, uh, starts three hours prior to kickoff so it'll run from three to five on saturday uh you can stream it online or through the talk 1340 app on your phone or smart speaker and you can follow rob bro at rob bro show b-r-e-a-u-x you can follow talk 1340 at talk 1340 carson's at car rob underscore radio and that's k-a-r-r-o-b and then at Tucker Lowrance, best producer in the biz, for sure, is uh, on the Twitter. Texas Tech did wear all black against UTEP, so I, I stand so. corrected. Both night games will have been a blackout. I think that was, and then it was either before or after that that Wells just said that's just how it's going to be. Whenever there's a night game at the Jones, which makes sense, it's night ahead. games at the Jones, we wear black or something. I think that was what he said. I like it. Sure. I'm here yeah, for it. I'm, I'm good with that, too. All right. You ready to talk about some basketball? You bet. Here comes Stevenson. Spins. Oh! And he's stuck back by the freshman sensation Smith. Pass over the top of Bullock and a crowd strip by Owens. Ready on the run. Bounce pass. Here's Culver. with a crossover and the lob to Owens. Now the shot clock is at three. Mooney spins, fires. Oh, he got it to go. Edwards with a three. Good. What a shot, Tyler Edwards. Ready, double, into three. Goins who puts it down. Already. Odiasi. Propars it in. Shot clock down to five. Got the screen. Here's a three. Good. 
All right, man. Basketball's back in Lubbock this week. Been a bit of a hiatus. I've I've kind of I've kind of felt uh, jittery not having any basketball after. I'm outraged. <laughs> you're outraged. <laughs> you guys checked out the AP poll. Oh, that's why you're outraged. Oh my gosh. I mean, you win. You win. You, you fall. You fall in the poll. How how many spots did you fall? One. Okay. It was <laughs> all right. One. <laughs> all right. So you're. I'm. I'm obviously being facetious. You are twelfth according to the AP poll this week um, after defeating Houston Baptist at the Chaparral Center in Midland. Packed house, too. I mean, lying outside, waiting to get in. You broke 100 points the first time in a long time. <laughs> I forgot. I think it's 2014, maybe. You you win 103.74, so almost a 30-point win. Um, you put up 54 in the first half, which has to be the, you know, I think one of the highest was, scoring first halves in a long time. Yeah, that was a... You got down quick, 9-0, which I think, I mean, it really only takes two possessions that you don't score for a team to get up on you like that. Just to show you how quickly a game can turn in basketball, you can go 9-0. Texas Tech would then go on a 25-4 scoring run to to take the lead and never gave it back, obviously. Jemias Ramsey, my boy, my man, 25 points in 22 minutes, 10 of 13 from the field incredible he's uh i I wish i could have watched this one unfortunately i didn't have texas tech tv but i was able to keep up with it best i could uh and then holyfield of course who's even more efficient even more (laughs) somehow (laughs) he may be mr efficiency for the 2019 2020 season 21 points in 20 minutes on nine of 10 shooting 90 percent from the field take it and and clark you know clark's kind of it's taken him a while to, to grow in. I think he he had some really good moments at the the preseason tournament. Was it in the Bahamas? Yeah. I think he, he had some points there. Hasn't really been able to find that offensively. Hasn't been able to find a shot. He's really not even taken many shots. I think he, uh, he took a, a very few shots during this game. But he had four points, so, you know, didn't shoot a whole lot but also eight rebounds and 11 assists in 21 minutes. That, that would have been the probably the one of the strangest double-doubles had he gotten <laughs> 10 rebounds and 11 assists. He was really close. Because usually the, the first double-figure thing you usually get is, is points. Sure. Because they just happen a lot faster. You can get 10 points on four shots. But yeah, I mean, Clark is... He's well, obviously, yeah. and, and you were you were tweeting about it, about him being basically the quarterback of the court. And, and Chris Beard said he's one of the best passers he's seen. Yeah. Like he's he's finding people. He's getting people open, which is something people talk about with a, a good quarterback on, on the football field. Clark is getting people open with the way he looks around the defense. He looks a defender off, throws it between people. He's deadly. Yeah. We may get to see some of that. I, that was an aspect of his game I was unaware of. Uh, with him coming in and I hadn't really seen it yet this year and hopefully it's something that can materialize and be a little bit more of a consistent thing even if he's not you know make contributing 10 12 points a game if he's getting seven eight assists or something that's going to make a huge Mm -hmm. difference someone is open somewhere and he's finding them yeah he's taking a very interesting role because they they're using him in like very many different ways um, some possessions he bring, he's bringing the ball up the, up 
up the court as if he's a point guard. Point. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, he's dishing it out like, like a guard with 11 assists, but then he's, he's banging down low to get eight rebounds. Um, the scoring's not consistently there, but he's filled the stat sheet elsewhere. When you've got guys like Ramsey and Holyfield that'll drop a bunch of points, Moretti can, can do that. Um, really interesting. The team's shot 60% from the field, which I guess we we're kind of expecting. Houston Baptist um, was not interested in playing defense. They were more of like, let's get the ball and score. Um, Tech, held, me, Tech held them below 40%, by the way. Yeah, it, it reminds me of the teams that I can't remember uh, which division it was in, whether it was high school, like a real low college, but basically they would run four guys on defense and as soon as the other team scored they would just lob it to a guy that was under the basket to see if they can set the scoring record for that one player that's kind of how i felt with houston baptist <laughs> as a team Texas tech did have 22 turnovers that's a way way too too many um three times as many as chris beer will probably say he would be okay with you were obviously still able to pull the pull out the win um against houston baptist you return home this Thursday night, take on Tennessee State, 7 p.m. It'll be on Fox Sports Southwest Plus, Fox Sports Go on the app. Um, they are also a team that you're not really sure how to get a, a good feel on them. They are 3-1 and one in the season, but they have played really nobody, um, which is, it happens. I mean, it's yeah. they're a lower division team that is not really playing up yet. Yeah, and it's November. It's everybody's just kind of playing whoever can get on the schedule. Yeah. And then, uh, game five versus long Island. Another home game, back to back home games will be this Sunday, a Sunday game, which you don't see very often, uh, at least for the men's team. Yeah. It's not usually a men's. Yeah. You see the women play on Sundays quite a bit. Uh, but the men will play Sunday, November 21st at one, uh, November 24th at 1 p.m. That's also on Fox Sports Southwest Plus or Fox Sports Go app. Uh, I don't really know anything about either of those teams at all, but I'm going to do the best I can to try to watch. It's just... Uh, actually, I won't be able to watch Sunday. We'll be I will be on a plane. I won't be able to watch Sunday's game. Too bad. I'm sorry to hear it. But I'll try to watch Thursdays. I should be able to. I did want to share just because I can and I, I wanted to bring it and drop it on the table and just gloat maybe. Yeah. Um, I did get a season media pass for 2019. Oh, that's right. 2020 basketball season. Uh, way to go. You, I, I can go to any basketball game and it's part of our, one of our marketing sponsorships with, with my employer. Um, we done something similar for the football team, but they gave me just a photo pass last year, which is how I was able to get on the field and get up in the press box last season. We are continuing that promotion into the basketball season. Um, so I was able to get a season media pass, which means I can go in and sit with the media during the basketball games. So it's gonna be a lot of fun. I'll just not sneak in. Cause I'll now you get to I roll can, in. I can be the roll into a basketball game, any basketball game. I can go anyone, every single one. You can walk. You can just stroll into Kentucky. Don't even got to worry about now, it. Now the media space for Kentucky may be a little, cramped. yeah, it may be a little cramped. You may need to get there early <laughs> and then maybe looking over at me, like with a laptop, like what, what is he doing? He's not even working. <laughs> like, yeah. Whatever. He's just hanging out, having some food. 
Yeah, so this game, uh, game four of the season, is the third game on the student promotion for the five games to guarantee access entrance to the Kentucky game. Um, And then the Long Island game would be game four. And then game five would be the conference game against Iowa State in the second term, and sorry, in January when school starts back up to be game five. Now, Chris Beard did say on the fireside chat that five, if you're there for all five games, you are guaranteed. But those that can only make to four or that those that only get to four games are still going to get preference over those that got only to three games or two or one or none. Oh, man, that's got to be a nightmare to figure out (laughs) who's I'm I'm sure it's whoever's in charge of tickets. I'm sure it's a lot like uh, Raiderville where they had a. A little scan like okay he, he scanned in five times or at Raiderville 24 times oh okay out okay. of Apostle 27 and they kind of line you up that way I'm not sure how it works that's not on, on yeah they can it figure out. it out it's fine but you've got two chances this week as a tech student to better your spot in the line for the Kentucky game at the end of January okay I couldn't find what I needed to read I'm just going to pull it up on my phone oh okay Okay. Are we, are we about to do an ad? We're, we're going to have to get to an ad. Okay. We're going to do an ad before we go to our questions. Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So you know they work. You can take them Anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, which I don't know what that means. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity <clears throat> arises. If you could benefit from extra function and more confidence where it counts, Blue Chew is a fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code ARMCHAIR, and you just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-CHEW.com, promo code ARMCHAIR to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Michael? Yes. Are you ready for some questions? I'm ready. Now, are these really the questions that I was called here to answer? Who's in the box? Uh, What's in the box? I'm Ron Burgundy? Damn it! Who typed a question mark on the teleprompter? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! I'm proud and excited that you all fired some some great questions. In this yeah, week. thanks a ton. We always, we always appreciate it. For sure. Red Ritter Reset Man kicks us off. Not so much a question, just an observation. At the beginning of the year... He calls us out. But yeah, I'm, I'm okay. He's with it. calling us out. Let's 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 go. Let's let's read through it. Beginning of the year, both of you said that five wins would be considered a good season. Here we sit, literally three or four plays from being a seven win team, and yet you were sitting there saying you're disappointed with the season. What gives? 
I would say um, momentum, riding the wave, expectations for me changed when you got so close. I think it would be different if you're sitting here at four and six and you didn't beat Oklahoma State. You but did, you did beat Kansas. You did beat Kansas. Um, you weren't one play away from beating Baylor. Um, you weren't a possession from beating TCU. Sorry, I don't, I don't know why I blanked so hard on that one. Um, you didn't. You didn't play so dominantly against West Virginia. I think you've shown really good football against pretty good opponents, namely Oklahoma State, and then you've been really bad. I I think that. I don't know if maybe I did say this. I don't think I thought five wins would be considered a good season. I just thought that's what it was going to be. I I predicted tech to be five and seven at at the beginning of the year. And I, that doesn't necessarily mean it's, it's a good thing. And like you said, the, the way that some of these have slipped through tech's fingers have just been, kind of tough to watch the Arizona game too. That's another one to, to think about just how tech couldn't get anything going offensively in that game. Uh, and the defense played as good as they could until they, they had to, you know, they couldn't go any further. So uh, I, I'm still a little disappointed with it because I don't think going four and six at this point in the season is, is any fun, but I I may have I may I may be you know a little bit hypocritical here I don't know yeah I don't know what all I said for sure that well, we have a record of it oh well I'm not gonna go <laughs> listen to it no uh, and we appreciate you listening to us right <laughs> reset man but yes always four and eight is a is vastly different than five and seven which is still vastly different from, from six and six even though it's one or two games and as you said literally one or two plays from being four and eight to six and six. Um, yeah, it's just losing sucks. And you've, you've been teased by the possibility of winning more games. Sure. Uh, against good opponents too. And it's just, it's frustrating to kind of be so inconsistent. Right. Like if you're consistently mediocre and like a consistently a five and seven team, that's one thing, but like just the <laughs> way, the way you've done it this year is kind of, been the most frustrating thing i would say amy nelson how about the basketball game thursday yes we're excited excited ready to have them back it's been it's been way too long since uh since the red raiders have been in town brian honk carlos big fan of his name one lsu ohio state and the natty who you got i have not watched i don't think i've watched ohio state all year so solely because of the games I've watched, I would pick LSU. I would say I I'd almost just repeat that. I I haven't watched any Ohio State. I've watched some LSU. They're dang good. They're they're just skilled, big. They tore up Alabama at home mm-hmm. or at or in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. What's your Thanksgiving meal plan of attack? Okay, mine is basically. I, I let me put a disclaimer. No one should probably do this, but this is my plan of attack. This, this will be good. I put at least something of every single thing on my plate that's not dessert. I start there. 
I try to limit bread. It doesn't go well. <laughs> and then uh, once that plate is completely free and clear, then I try. I wait a little bit, and then I do the same thing with the desserts. I get a different plate. I put at least some of every single dessert on that plate. It's bold. And I go for it. That's my plan of attack. So first through the non-desserts, yeah, I would say it's fairly similar. I don't want I hate to just piggyback off everything you said. Um, if I was at home with my mom for Thanksgiving this year, there are things I know she cooks or that are served at her Thanksgiving that I'm not a big fan of. So I will either go super light or just skip those entirely. Um, Cause I'm the familiarity with, with our, our Thanksgiving meal. I know which dishes dishes to go hard after. What are those things that, what are the ones that you're not, is it, is it yams? My prediction is yams. I've never been that crazy about them. No, my dad always liked them. So mom would make them for dad, but I, he was usually the only one that ate them. I don't even know if mom ate them. Yeah. Not a big fan. And then, she's not listening. It's okay. I don't, I don't like the way that she makes her green bean casserole. Oh, you know what? Green bean casserole is one of those things. I, I'm just, I've only had one in my life that I liked. <laughs> the rest of them are all just kind of okay. Yep. Um, desserts. I would not go after one of everything. I would go heavy after one thing. And it's usually like a pumpkin pie. There you go. Not a sweet potato pie, not pecan. Oh, I love pecan. So see, that's that's the problem. Pecan pie is is it's okay, but it's not my first choice. If that's what's available, yeah, I'm, I'm going after. But if there's if there's a pumpkin, I'm going there first. I think we've talked about this before, and I can't remember what I said, but I'm pretty sure I said that pumpkin pie is probably my number one pie. Or no, pecan, pecan is my number one pie. But when there's also a pumpkin pie there, I just feel like I'd it'd be neglecting the other to, to pick. I just got to have both. Cooper Burnett. Are we more comfortable gambling a bit more defensively this week against a not very explosive offense? Um, defensively, I think you can be more committed selling out more to stop their run. We We saw last week against West Virginia that when you, frustrate them and keep them from doing what they want to do on the ground. They will try to force the ball through to Scott Thompson. He threw, I think it was a career high 39 pass attempts, which kind of made me laugh and career high in yardage, like at 290. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was right. It, it was 299, I think. Yeah. So neither one of those numbers scares you. I don't, I don't think like if they repeat that same kind of performance in Lubbock, they're not winning. So sure. if if you're able to slow them down enough to force Kleiman and Thompson to be throwing the ball 40 times, then you, you feel pretty good about your chances. Do you think Brooks playing would factor in on how, how many gambles you could take defensively? No, because of what we saw Rico Jeffers do this past week. Jeffers really did play well. Offensively, this go back to Cooper's question. Offensively looks like we need some explosive plays as they're pretty good at keeping teams out of the red zone. Yeah, you, you were able to do that against TCU. Um, you were able to do that um, the week before against West Virginia on play action deep over the middle. You were able to get the defenders confused on a switch route to RJ Turner when he went 70 yards. Um, Turner said in the postgame press conference, they, they didn't pass off correctly 
and the guy that was that had the best opportunity to cover him went with the other receiver. So the guy that ended up with their assignment was chasing him the whole time. He was a good three or four yards behind him when he caught the ball and he was beat. Um, yeah. And you're going to have to, to take your shots against Kansas state because if you're playing the game that they dictate, they will beat you because they don't beat themselves. If you let them dictate the game, they're going to slow everything down. They're going to force you to be super efficient because you're only going to, you know, a fraction of the number of possessions you usually do. You have to be, you have to be good at taking your shots. You have to pick your spot well. And when that opportunity presents itself, you have to connect on it. Michael, did you get anything else on your account personally? I'm not seeing anything else. That was all I could see. Handful. Okay. Okay. Sorry. I, I was going to add one more thing, but I think I'll save that for our next segment. What did we learn? Oh, okay. Everybody's favorite. No, it's not everybody's favorite because I'm not doing going yard, but <laughs> it's winter time. Meat and potatoes of our, our podcast right here. Meat. What did we learn? Maybe. Maybe, you know, I thought I was gonna make it through an entire episode without a production. Still waiting. Yeah. Yeah. Here we go. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I know what I learned. What'd you learn? As you guys know, this is going to be kind of Star Wars corner for a while as I'm rewatching all eight of the main storyline episodes leading up to episode nine coming out in December. I've almost convinced myself to do it too. Well, there you go. Join, join the bandwagon. Dan is doing it. Dan's doing it for the first time. Dan has never seen these, which is fascinating. It's great. It's so great. Um, also, it sounds like Keith may be doing it. Yeah. Keith's already lapped me. I think he's, he's ahead of me. Um, the only reason well, I'm not right. I'm not watching rogue one because I, I didn't really, I didn't really like it that much. And I'm not rewatching Solo because I just saw it. I saw it maybe in May or something. So I remember a lot of it. And I really did enjoy that movie. Uh, but all this to say, last night, I screened in the comfort of my own home, Star Wars, <laughs> Episode 4, A New Hope. Nice. And guys, it's so good. It's such a good movie. I, I, I told y'all in the Slack chat, this was the first time that I, because I've watched one through three recently, Having watched four, it was the first time that I immediately wanted to just watch the next one. I immediately wanted to plug in Empire, but I was, it was, you know, 10.30, 10.45 or something. I thought, okay, no, I can't, I can't do that. But really solid movie. Uh, if, and, and, you know, you miss so much. If, if you just start at the prequels with no Star Wars knowledge, they don't go into the force at all, you know, Episode four really actually mm-hmm. talks about the force, introduces you to it. You still don't know what the hell it is, but <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Uh, and of course, Alec Guinness is fantastic as Obi-Wan and Han Solo was, is a great character. And even I, I forgot his conversation when they're in the detention hall and he's talking with someone through the intercom and he, he just told me he almost reminds you of Chevy Chase in that instance Harrison Ford played it really well anyway the acting's great there's actual sets there there's actual locations they're going places 
the little added scene, mine, my Blu-ray set is from a few years ago. So I've got the added scene with Jabba and that's kind of pointless because Han Solo says the exact same thing to Jabba that he said to Greedo <laughs> like three scenes earlier. I'm, I'm not kidding. Word, word for word almost. Um, so that's just kind of annoying, but that's Lucas being Lucas. But the movie itself was great. And one of the things that I never realized was Luke, uh, you know, he wanted to go off to the Academy and become a pilot, but he had talked about, you know, his friend Biggs or somebody leaving. He was talking about that with his uncle, Owen. Come to find out, Biggs was a pilot, was one of the Red Squadron pilots, and and uh, they got to fly together. Spoiler alert, Biggs <laughs> doesn't make it on the, death, on the Death Star run, but I never even knew that. I've watched this movie, I don't know how many times, but there was a connection to... Luke uh, back home that was a also a pilot with him as part of the uh, part of the rebellion but I'm really excited to watch Empire it's, it's been so many so long since I've watched these movies just sat and watched them so really looking forward to it I'm glad that I'm done with the prequels you know I learned what'd you learn I talked too way too long about Star Wars that's no, what you fine. learned <laughs> University of Texas football has gone a decade of losing at least four games. A so decade? They've gone 10 years of four or more losses in a season. We, we probably know how that feels, right? Oh, for sure. <laughs> but it's, it's just, it's interesting to, 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 but we're not the university of Texas. Contrast that with the previous decade of them being like nothing but 10 win seasons. So, haha, Longhorns, you suck. <laughs> that's what you learned. I guess that's all that matters. That's that's where we're going with. <laughs> all right, Michael, that'll do it for us on the Twenty Three Personnel Podcast. Looking forward to the matchup this weekend with Kansas State. Getting to hang out with Grant, Tommy. Do one more home game this season. What else you got, Michael? Anything fun this weekend? Yeah. Going to Florida. That's right. Going to go to Florida and hang out on the beach. All right. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast and sharing our fandom for the Texas Tech Red Raiders. You can connect with us on Twitter at 23Personnel, Spencer at PuntSuck, and Michael at Michael underscore LBK. And find even more great content over on stakingtheplanes.com. Help us out by rating the show and leaving a review on iTunes and subscribe on whatever channel you listen to podcasts. Remember to tell your friends about the show. The guys will be back next week with another episode. And until then, guns up and let the tortillas fly.